What's good, everyone? It's your boy Cheats here. This is the Black Baseball Mixtape Podcast. I am very excited about this episode. The executive director of the MLB MLBPA Youth Development Foundation, Gene Lee Batris, joined us last week on IG Live, and she is phenomenal. They're doing amazing work in just underserved communities. They're doing a lot to equal the playing field, access to the game. It's everything we talk about on the mixtape. So please stay tuned for a exciting, exciting, very knowledge-driven conversation with Gene. It was just an amazing time. Before we get to that, I do got to tell you there's a lot going on over here in mixtape world. All exciting news. If you've been following on Instagram, you'll know that we did announce our brand new partnership with Stilo, Stilo Sports. Please look them up. They're on Instagram. They're on the internet. They've got an amazing organization that is just completely in line with what the Black Baseball Mixtape is doing. Our content will not change. We will still be giving you IG Lives every Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. We will give, be giving you more new exciting podcast every monday they drop every monday at 8 a.m but now we have some partners like-minded partners that are really driving the content as well so we're very excited about our partnership with stilo we also had some really exciting news this week and it's thanks to you the black baseball mixtape cracked back into the top 100 it was just Really, really driving new users, and I'll tell you what, how it's happening and what you're doing to make it happen. You are rating and reviewing and leaving comments on the episodes. Please continue to do so. Tell a friend, rate, review, share, subscribe. That's the way that we get the Black, Black Baseball Mixtape to the next level. So... With no further ado, I want to thank you for all your support. This is a very informative and exciting podcast episode with Gene Lee Beatrice. Please make sure you check that out. And until next time, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very, very excited to welcome in the executive director of the MLB MLBPA Youth Development Foundation, Gene Lee Beatrice. Did I say it right? I want to make sure I got it 100% right. It's Beatrice, but down Beatrice. south they say Beatrice, so either works. You no, have done gonna, a beautiful I'm, job. I'm <laughs> going to say it right. Jean Lee Beatrice, welcome to the mixtape. It is an honor. It is truly an honor to have you on, and you've been super busy. <laughs> super busy this time of year. I want to get into everything about YDF. I want to get into kind of all the initiatives that you're doing because it is really, really exciting stuff. But I'm going to start with a curveball question. I hope no one gets mad at me, but it's going to be a curveball question because I just asked, if you were listening, I just asked um, the, the, uh, all, of our, all of our friends in the chat. I've got a nine-year-old. He's an eight-year-old. We just did our annual baseball trip. He will be nine next year. And the question is, do we go to New York? Yankees, Mets, or do we go to Chicago, White Sox, Cubs, possibly the Brewers? He's never been to any of them. So if you're if you're suggesting for an experience, where do you go first? Ooh, you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, 
because I, I love everyone. I wouldn't do this. I promise. <laughs> I, I, I love all 30 teams and 120 minor league teams, but I have to go with New York City because that's where, you know, the Players Association and the Commissioner's Office is based oh, um, like and where I work out of. Okay. All right. That's it. That's all, that's all of the controversial questions I promise I'll ask you. In regards to uh, in regards to baseball, what? How are you doing? Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. And I one last comment about coming to New York City. If you do come, hit me up because we'd love to have your son do a tour of the MLB offices. I'd love to. We'd love to. We don't have to say anymore. We are so excited. We had just an amazing time. We did. I'm in Virginia, and we did Philadelphia. Started in Philly. We got to see the no hitter on Wednesday. Then we went Baltimore, D.C., back to Richmond, Virginia. So we did three games in three days. But one of the more exciting parts of it is there's a wonderful Negro League uh, exhibit that's in Philadelphia that we were able to see. And I was able to show uh, my son Cameron some of the history, the Negro League history in Philadelphia with this wonderful exhibit that they have. Uh, It was awesome. And then we were able to see quite a bit of history. We were able to visit the – the National Museum of African American uh, History in D.C. So I was able to take him to that, and he was obviously able to see a lot of history there as well. So it was just an awesome, awesome experience. So uh, yes, we we will not pass up any opportunity, any opportunity to to join Eugene. That would be awesome. Um, let me start because I do not know. Um, I was recently kind of introduced to the MLB, MLBPA Youth Development Foundation. I've been following everybody here. Make sure you follow their wonderful Instagram account because you guys are really ramping up and doing some amazing things with that account. Uh, But I'm actually not as familiar with the foundation and its mission. You are uh, obviously in a position of leadership. Just like give us the the overall view about what is the foundation and, and what's its mission. Yeah, so we're probably one of the best kept secrets, and I'm really happy that, you know, you notice that we're doing a lot. In the past few years, we've handed out over $27.25 million, nearly 300 grants, um, impacting over 40 states and territories across the U.S. and, you know, some in Canada. But this is the foundation that represents baseball's, you know, industry. So it's a great partnership between the commissioner's office, MLB, and the Players Association, the union. And, you know, what's really nice is you have two sides of the business coming together, hand in hand, and saying, what is the one thing we care about? We care about the future of baseball and softball. And and that's the kids. So how do we drive more kids into the game? And how do we expand this and ensure that underrepresented communities aren't left behind? Because all kids have a right to play. So we were put together in 2016, and then they hired me as the first executive director to run the foundation in late 2018. So it's taken some time to get it, you know, started. There's a lot of work that goes into operating it, and then we had the pandemic, but we are doing phenomenal work. I mean, our investments across the country, you saw our inaugural HBCU Swingman class in Seattle. I was there. I saw I saw your Instagram and you saw um, I saw you talk to Ken Griffey Jr. You know our YDF Global Ambassador, and you know we have the Hank Aaron invitation as well. So lots of great stuff you know that we're doing. A lot of hard work, um, a wonderful team on both in both parties and the YDF team as well. 
you mentioned it, and I was going to get there a little bit later, but let's get there now because you mentioned two major initiatives, both of them just wrapping up. Let's start with the HBCU Swingman Classic. It was the first time in the history of the game. And let me tell you, from the time I, I was able to attend the practice before the game at the University of Washington and then attend the game itself, and I could not have been more impressed. I mean, more impressed with it being its very first time. It felt like everything went 100% smooth. I don't look, I don't, I don't know the background, the backstories. I don't know what fires you were putting out, but it felt like such a smooth operation. Talk to me about that event. Why was it so important? And, and honestly, how did you get so much buy-in from, you know, former players to be ambassadors? Obviously, the role you mentioned, Ken Griffey Jr. Talk to me about, you know, now that we're about a month or so past uh, the inaugural, how did, how did you feel about it? And, and how did it really come together for you? Before I dive into that, you, you had me smiling because if you were at Wash U during the workout, I was the person who got hit by a baseball. <laughs> like out of everyone on the field, I'm the one who gets hit. <laughs> I hear Roger Cater yelling, Gene got hit! Gene got hit! <laughs> but I'm, I'm all good. And then, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. says, well, let's play golf now. And he wanted to take advantage of the situation that I got hit in the arm. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you know, this really came two years ago. Um, you know, Junior and I, you know, work very closely together. I consider him one of my dearest friends. And, you know, he had this vision and his, you know, his father gave so much back to baseball. And it's Junior's time. And he grew up in an environment where he had mentorship and exposure. But not all kids have that. And so he and the Youth Development Foundation, YDF, brought together, you know, MLB and the Players Association says, we need to make this happen. And we need to make it happen on a world stage at the All-Star Game. So it's the momentum. It's the leadership of Junior. You know, you can't say no to Junior, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a big task to say no. He's a major force. Yeah. And YDF, I mean, we, we have the money. But we also are representing both Major League Baseball and the union side. And, and that's the beauty, right? Bringing the entire industry together. So, so that's really the story behind why this happened. Um, and it was, it was a lot of work. I mean, you, you nailed it. I, you know, and, and actually, it ran really smoothly. I mean, we had tremendous support. Yeah. The Mariners organization was there with us every step of the way. Our MLB Global special events team, I mean, they work tirelessly. Uh, you know, people on Tony Regan's team, which is the MLB, uh, you know, develops staff, YDF, the union, I mean, on. I mean, you don't deliver an event like this without having many people collaborating. But it was hugely successful. And I'll tell you, when it comes to Arlington and Texas next year, it's going to be even bigger in the HBCU territory. I was going to ask. I was going to ask, and you've already beat me to it, because I, I, for, from especially a YDF standpoint, this seemed like the first of many. Is that the plan for this to continue on year after year and get bigger and better? I mean, I could only imagine what Texas would look like. It's not going away, Cheats. It will be at every All-Star Week. Um, and it's really important to us to represent 
and say HBCU baseball programs are strong programs. And if you look at the coaches that we recruited and were part of this initial event, we had Andre Dawson, right, Hall of Famer, uh, Vince Coleman, Lenny Webster, Ken Griffey Sr., uh, you know, Ricky Weeks. I mean, look at that phenomenal story. The, well, the, he, he, I mean, I know he gave out the MVP trophy, but he was obviously a leader that attended an HBCU, correct? That's right. But he also won the Golden Spikes. Yeah. And we had Hall of Famer HBCU coach Roger Cador, you know, part of our selection committee. So just having these legacy, you know, and, and legends around supporting these young men. And our event wasn't only about playing baseball and the skills and showcasing them, you know, on broadcast to the world so they could elevate their talent and be seen. You know, we had a few of our players get drafted, which was really, you know, phenomenal for us. But we also had off the field opportunities. It was actually a three day program. You know, they were being mentored. There were leadership panels. They had to do community service. The chairman of the Mariners spoke to them about how do you leverage these skills on the field? Um, and because not everyone will make it, you know, into the major leagues, but we want to keep you in the industry. And here are all the opportunities that Major League Baseball and the union has to keep you there, you know, whether you want to work in analytics or be, a, you know, in, in broadcast or philanthropy or marketing. There's just, there's a whole wealth of information there, but if you don't expose kids to it, how could they possibly know that there are these other opportunities to stay in our wonderful game? That's amazing. And you know what, Gene, that actually surprises me because I didn't know that it was, uh, you know, all almost like a holistic approach to these players to let them know obviously what's their their talent their opportunity on the field but all of the opportunities off the field let me ask you as you went through this process and i mean as you mentioned it's a year like multi-year process with a lot of help was there anything that surprised you i was pleasantly surprised at the humility the excitement um of our 50 players joining mm. and you just never know how young people are going to you know experience and i i have an 18 year old you know so i have him in mind an 18 year old boy right and, you know you want to hear thank you mom but <laughs> but these kids were wow they did not take it for granted i mean the um you know the maturity they brought to seattle on and off the field the humility asking great questions being on time uh, you know, working as a team, being respectful, it, it really just excited me because we want to make major league citizens at the end of the day. Mm. And, and like you said, it's a holistic model. And that's what YDF is about. It's, it's about, you know, growing young people through the skills of baseball and softball. But you can take that and translate it into the real world. Um, so I was really pleased at, at the outcomes. That is awesome. And let me tell you, your turnaround, because there was no rest for the weary. Once once it hit, it was only, I want to say, a couple of weeks, if that, before I know the team was down in Vero Beach. There were two weekends of the Hank Aaron Invitational, followed by the big game at Truist Park. I know the foundation was heavily involved in that as one of its major initiatives as well. So talk to me about this quick turnaround. What exactly, for those that don't know, is the Hank Aaron Invitational, and what was the role that the foundation played in this just kind of amazing two-week opportunity for young, uh, young players? 
It was pretty amazing that we went from Seattle to Vero Beach to Atlanta without like missing a beat. And <laughs> everyone's tired. You know, August should be the month where everyone takes vacation, but we're we're still hustling. Uh, it, it, this is another incredible event. You know, for everyone listening who has a you know a, a son who plays baseball ages thirteen to eighteen. Um, we really target, you know, underrepresented communities. It's the premier diversity baseball program. And we have 250 kids that join us. Um, you know, the younger group the first week, the older group the second week, but there's 40 former major league players who are your coaches and the kids don't play, pay a cent to join, right? And so that's what YDF is about. It's about reducing barriers and increasing access to our game. And we know that there's so many talented young athletes out there, but they just don't have an opportunity because, you know, who can afford like $30,000 to play travel ball, right? And so we have these young people who are pushed out early. And so we're trying to change that tide, um, you know, not to knock travel ball, but we, we have to have these types of initiatives. So exposure to, you know, top coaches like Pat Mahomes Sr., um, you know, the father of, you know, Patrick, the quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ken Griffey Sr. is also involved, you know, Junior's father, um, you know, Eric Davis. I mean, it, it's just the, the, the list of the roster is just so rich there. And so the one-on-one -on -one time between the kids and the coaches is, yeah, you, you have on the field development, but it's like more than 12 hours because they're having these side conversations about what was it like in the major league or, you know, I'm having this issue at school or, you know, I'm experiencing maybe, you know, some race issues um that are happening you know in my community it, it's a whole spectrum and the other great thing is we have guest speakers so roger kador you know he mm -hmm. came to speak some college scouts we had the executive uh director of the major league players association tony clark uh, my dear friend hall of famer dave winfield um you know tony regans and other staff from mlb are around you know, during the two weeks. So it's a great opportunity for these kids to learn, ask questions and observe. And then we take the top 44 after Hank Aaron's name and we bring them to Truist Park. And once again, another holistic experience. You know, they arrive on a Friday night, Saturday, they're in a cultural tour. They meet Mrs. Billy Aaron's. Um, amazing. Amazing. That was amazing. For folks that haven't followed, that was an amazing clip that was on the uh the ydf instagram page with billy aaron i was i was like getting the feels just watching it yeah and ambassador young is there you know he was beside martin mm -hmm. luther king you know in the day so hearing you know hearing his stories you know that's really moving because a lot of these young kids you know we don't know how much history they're aware of so listening to these legends um i was so fortunate where i had my last opportunity to be with hank aaron in 2019 and unfortunately you know he passed in 2020 but that really affected my life listening to his stories about you know hitting that home run um that broke babe Ruth's right record mm -hmm. and and the threats and what his experience was growing up as a child under a very segregated self and then his rise into baseball in the major leagues and um, it, it's really moving and we can't take it for granted the the path that has been paved for young people and i will say it's not only baseball and softball everyone who plays professional sports um you know there was someone that came ahead and it was hank aaron and jackie robinson and satchel page and all these great guys that made these opportunities possible um so yeah. 
Totally. No, I, you know, I, I've, I've never been able to, never had the opportunity like you to meet uh, Mr. Aaron, but the best compliment that I think you can give a person, uh, especially a person of that elk, is that basically he's as advertised and he never disappoints. And what I mean by that is you, you've heard the, the, the saying, like, never meet your heroes, right? You'll meet your heroes and then you'll realize that they're kind of, normal human beings or, 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 or even worse. I hate to say it that way. Um, but I was, uh, you know, every time I get around um, some, you know, some of the historians of the game and I'm, you know, I've been able to meet Bob Kendrick and, and had him on the show. Whenever they talk about Mr. Aaron, it is like, that guy never, he never disappointed. And he was as, as genuine and authentic as a human being as you could possibly ever meet. And, and just really private about his life. You know, he was involved in a lot of businesses and supporting the black community, but he didn't really talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, he did a lot of stuff philanthropically mm. and, and so does Mrs. Aaron. You know, she, she's still very close with her best friend, uh, Mrs. Ruby Lucas, right? And, wow. and Mrs. Lucas is mm. Bill Lucas's, you know, mm. widow. And wow. you know, he has a phenomenal story Absolutely. as the first black general manager. Yeah, I, I'm really fortunate in this role to be um, in touch and working with great people and, and driving this mission forward and helping the black community, but also helping all kids across the country. You know, our, our number one thing is socioeconomics. So, so by that mere fact, if it's you're underrepresented, if you can't access the game, and that's what we do. Yeah, it's it's about uh, in many ways leveling the playing field, not you know not doing anything, um, just providing opportunities. But it's amazing to hear you talk about it because the opportunities that you're providing are not just on the field; they're really providing opportunities that are just life experiences, and that really is, I think, as as needed to young. Young, young players, young uh, players under underserved communities, young minority players, they need to understand and see the whole picture. And what you're what you're doing, and what the foundation is doing with the Hank Aaron Invitational, with the Swingman Classic, it allows them to kind of expand their world, if you will, and see what honestly, just to be frank, a lot of people may see without without the assistance of the foundation if they were, you know, if they had the, the, the means to do so. So it's just an amazing, amazing thing. Let me ask you the last question on both of these, and it's just a future looking. We know we talked about the Swingman Classics here to stay. It'll be in Texas and the, the All-Star Games in the future. What would you, uh, how, how would you say the future of both of these events, the Swingman Classic and the Hank Aaron Invitational, which has been around a little bit longer. What, what would you want to see in the future? What are y'all working on with the foundation in regards to just future expansion? My expectations when we head to Texas, this event will be even bigger. And it will be bigger because you're in the hub of HBCU territory. So we will have more HBCUs involved, um, you know, I, I see marching bands, I see fraternities and sororities, parties, families, alum, and that's what we want. We want this to be a celebration of HBCUs, and it's a community event. If you look back historically, we know what baseball was. You know, after Sunday church, everyone would congregate in their best outfits and come out to the game. And, and I think the Swingman Classic 
does that. And we, we saw that in Seattle and no knock on, you know, it being on the West Coast. But when you look at Texas and then after that going to Atlanta um, and so forth, we, we have momentum. And YDF is on the forefront of a momentum and movement that's happening across the country that is elevating underrepresented communities and giving them the resources and the attention to succeed. Um, you know, so while you were bringing your wonderful son, you know, to three major league games, sure. I was, I was actually in Nashville, you know, we had a press conference um, and celebrating a new investment in the Parkwood community. And Parkwood is where Mookie Betts grew up playing mm -hmm. uh, baseball. Um, Brandon Wright grew up there and he ended up going to the NBA for over 12 years because there weren't enough opportunities to continue playing mm -hmm. baseball at a higher level. And that was the same case with Golden Tate. You know, he went into the NFL because there weren't opportunities. And, and that really just nails what we're doing. We are trying to ensure that there's complexes and facilities and programs in the local community so kids can walk to it, not get on a bus because oftentimes when you look at transportation, transportation becomes an economic issue. Yep. You might not have a family member who's available, right? So I wanna build ball fields in the local community and I'm building them in communities where there might be a, you know, a food desert, a lack of housing. And so this Parkwood you know, um, project it's with Habitat for Humanity. They're building over 210 single family homes. There's only a gas station, a dollar store in the community. There's gonna be a 59 acre Metro Park. But I was there in another historic place. It was the first black owned baseball club in the country and one of five across the country that was integrated. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I just bring up this story because projects like this, investments like this with local communities and local people and leaders is so important to drive change and teach these kids on and off the field and, and to work in partnerships. Um, we're not about check cutting. You know, we're, we're about really standing by our communities and working with them down the long term. And that's how we're going to make a change. That's a great point, because I think a lot of um, a lot of successes happen when everybody, when you say everybody, like you mentioned partnerships with Habitat to the humanity building houses, uh, you mentioned kind of the social impact of, of the access to food, um, along with what the foundation is doing in this just in just this one community, right, to, to build fields where it's accessible and so forth. When you go around the country, um, I'll ask it in twofold. When you go around the country, what are you looking to identify as a community in which we think this, you know, our initiatives will be successful? And then in, 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 in the same vein, what are the bigger challenges? What are some of the communities where you say, uh, what is lacking in, in terms of uh, resources or opportunity where you'll say this one may be um, not ready yet, maybe needs, a, a, you know, a couple more things before we really can fully get involved. So I guess the question is, what does the foundation look for and, and kind of identify as a great opportunity to be a good partner in an underserved community? And then what are some of the obstacles? Those are really great questions, because for those listening in, it speaks to how we fund, right? And I would encourage everyone to check out baseballydf.com to learn about funding opportunities that are small and large. 
And so when I'm crisscrossing the country, when a proposal comes to us, you know, by a phone call or an email, we first want to look at socioeconomics and then like impact. And that's really important to us. Like, what are the demographics, right? Uh, by race, ethnicity, gender, what's the free reduced lunch? What's the poverty rate? And if we, you know, support you, are you able to grow the program? Um, that's really important, right? Because this is all about increasing access and reducing barriers. And, and how much does it cost for the families to access the game? Because we need to ensure that it remains affordable um, and it's, you know, subsidized or completely free. But challenge, the challenge is capacity. So mm -hmm. there are endless, and I, you know, I wish we were out of business because it would say that we've been you know, doing our job and there isn't a problem. And like, I would love to be out of business doing this. Um, but unfortunately, there's just so many needy organizations, leagues and, you know, municipalities and communities out there. And so finding the leader who can carry through the vision. I mean, it's easy to ask for money. Everyone has their hands out and they want money. But can you can you take the money, invest it, and carry through what you're saying you're going to do and, and serve the mission, right? Um, that's, that's really important. And fortunately, there's a lot of good people out there. And I'll tell you something in the baseball community, um, especially with former players who are now, you know, running their own initiatives and programs back in their hometowns or where they've relocated, they are like salt of the earth people. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many of these guys are like, you know, spending their own money, trying to make sure kids are taken care of, you know, the last folks to really ask for funding and support. But what we want is to build more facilities, so capital projects, ball fields, batting cages, practice facilities, installing lighting, right? Some communities only have like one field, so how to extend play. You have to install lights, and that's really expensive. So programming, uniforms, you know, coaches training, background checks, umpire fees, sure. equipment, uh, and then education initiatives. Sometimes, you know, we have unique initiatives where they're using baseball, softball as a educational tool in school, after school, and we want to support that. And actually, YDF back in um, 2019, we had an off-Broadway production called Tony Stone, yep. right? What a and that was with uh, Roundabout Theater. But we, we funded the production of that because it was a educational tool. I, so I'm familiar with the play. I had no idea that the foundation was involved. Yes. So we were the major investor in that. And it was just so important to tell Tony Stone's story. Uh, it's pretty cool, too. Dave Winfield actually grew up playing on the Tony Stone field back in Minnesota growing up. That's, so that's that's another neat connection. That, that is that is an amazing one, and obviously, um, just because it's front of mind, and I know who listens and and kind of follows along with the mixtape. We did a lot out in Seattle with Tony's Promise, uh, the softball team that the Players Alliance put together, in the namesake of Tony Stone as well. Uh, um, uh, just amazing stuff. I want to ask you about because you were quick to mention, and rightfully so that the foundation is involved in not just baseball, but baseball and softball. The rise of young ladies playing this game in underserved communities is just really, really exciting. And they bring a whole different energy <laughs> when they hit the field. And some of these um, tournaments that I've seen and some of the, the teams and the players are so exciting. 
can, can you just elaborate a little bit just about the initiatives? Because obviously the um, Swingman Classic and both the Aaron Invitational, which we've already talked about, uh, are heavily uh, obviously in development of young men, but you guys are working with young ladies as well. That that's right. We can't forget young girls and ladies. Um, and you know, obviously, being a minority female executive at you know in the industry, that's just so near and dear to my heart to develop young girls. And it, it's it almost becomes more important um, to get them involved in the sport and to teach them skills. So right now, YDF has funded a number of organizations. You know to propel their programs forward we don't have an event yet and that's like a stay tuned because that is heavily on my mind and i couldn't leave the black empower network panel i was speaking on back in seattle and i you know i actually had three questions coming from women saying what are you doing for girls so that's a, that's a call to action and we will be doing something on a broader national scale and we have a lot of interest but we we do support softball programs and in fact, if you look at softball cheats, you know, there's, there's a big issue there. It's primarily like a affluent sport. Mm -hmm. um, we need to find ways to get more minority girls involved, especially, you know, black African American girls and, and to grow the access for them. Absolutely. I think you're right. And it's, it's really interesting as well, because I do know you know, it seems as if the game in general is getting just way more exciting. Uh, more people are paying a lot more attention than they ever have to to even things that we see on television or on the surface. Like there's a women's professional softball league now, and there's you know every year the uh, you know the college world series of softball is 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 kind of prominently uh, featured as well. And you're starting to see a lot more interest in our communities uh, and communities of color around young women having these opportunities and playing. And it is really, really exciting. And I'm excited that the foundation is, is supporting that in many ways. Let, let me switch gears and ask you, because I know people are gonna wanna know. Jean, you, you, obviously you're working very hard. You're in the trenches, you're, you're on the ground. You've mentioned obviously uh, some of your relationships and, 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 your, and your friends. How did you get involved and in, in baseball, fall in love with baseball as a sport, get, in, get involved in baseball, and ultimately what led you to this position as executive director of the Youth Development Foundation? So I never like talking about myself, but <laughs> I, 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 I'm going well, to indulge yeah. you. <laughs> I, like, I, I gave you a lot of foundation <laughs> questions early. I just, I, like, I, I, I wanted to make you feel comfortable about it. But You're I wanna, warming me up here, Chief. I wanna, I, I've got, I've got to ask. It's, it's, it's. Uh, obviously, it's something that's very passionate to you. Well, can you believe that my father put me on an all boys baseball team when I was like age eight, and they booed me when I walked on? No. And he said, oh yeah, they booed me. No. And they said, "Boy, oh. this team's gonna suck because there's a girl on the team," and they would bench us according to how good we are. And I was like the fifth kid on the bench. But anyhow, my season was cut short with a concussion. Uh, that's a whole other story with a fly ball. Yeah, I use that as an excuse to get out of the season. And I said to my father when I took this job, like, why did you put me on an all-boys baseball team? You know, and, and to the point with what I'm working on, he said, well, there wasn't softball available. There just wasn't access. So isn't that a funny full circle, it like is. working working in this area? Because we also want to support girls who play baseball 
And that's a whole other, you know, movement that's happening with an increase um, there. But anyhow, you know, I have to say, I'm so blessed working in this job because first and foremost, why am I doing this? I'm doing it for the kids. And, and I'm doing it for the kids who don't have the right to play and who don't have the resources to play. And that's very important to me. And it just happens that it's through sports. And, you know, I was a scholar athlete. I had to play most sports. Um, I primarily was a swimmer and a runner um, growing up. You know, now that's completely different. I play golf. I play tennis. I ski. I, you know, I got to do everything. Um, but, you know, it, this job involves everything I've done in my career. And that's why I say I am so lucky. I've done private equity, Wall Street philanthropy. Mm. Um, I've worked in, you know, international affairs around the world. I've seen things, you know, in places as far as like India with poverty. Um, I've worked, you know, briefly with the NFL working on philanthropy as well. I went to the labor relations school at Cornell. And so that speaks to a lot of, you know, dynamics working with both league and union. So I was recruited, but I think, you know, what both sides saw was I had, I had all the skills that were needed to drive this foundation forward. You know, I've served on international large foundations. I understand how to invest money, how to assess and give it out. So um, it's, it's really just a dynamic and rewarding role. And who would have thought through baseball and softball that you could actually economically empower a community, transform it from a food desert into something that's thriving, right? Connecting um, to larger policy issues. And so it's it, it's really neat for me. But, and, it, and it is important that you kind of fully understand that because that is awesome that you pointed out before anyone else how much a lot of what you're talking about is connected um and it kind of works to the livelihood of a community of the livelihood of like you know uh an environment and a person it's just there's so many things that kind of factor into success right there's so many things that factor into success and oftentimes the challenge is you kind of we take this narrow focus and we say if we fix this, you know, this is this is the issue. And you see it in all walks of life, right? If it's if it's education or something of that nature, you'll see someone and say, "Well, reading. We got to get this person to read." Without actually understanding, this person may go home and his home life is different. He may not be able to, you know, sleep at night or or get access to food. And it's really hard to learn in the third grade if you're not if you're hungry or you don't have like stable environments. And the fact, Gene, that you at the foundation are looking at such a holistic approach to improving the game and providing opportunity, I think it speaks to a measure of obviously what you bring to the foundation, but what the foundation does as a whole. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, you can't expect to coach that kid coming to the field if you don't understand what that home life is. Uh, is there trauma? Are there issues happening at school? Is the kid being bullied? Um, it, it's a whole host of issues and you, you know, having a son and we're both parents, kids have it tough today. There's just a lot of forces and factors in their lives that they're juggling and our coaches need to understand that. And so, you know, when we fund coaches training, we also like to look at it from a trauma informed coaching perspective as well, not just directly coaching the kid, but understanding 
are there other things coming to the table? And so how do you deal with that situation? Um, and, and it's important. We're educators, mm -hmm. right? All of us have to put our best foot forward and be role models for these young people. And, you know, no, absolutely. You mentioned it a little while ago, and we're coming up on our on our 40 minutes here. I do want people to get familiar with the Youth Development Foundation. I know they can do so on the website, but for the people that visit the website, and especially people that are kind of looking to get involved or looking to get funding, obviously they should go there. But what should they? What should they? What will they see there? What will, what should they be looking for what are some of the things when they kind of look up the youth development foundation what what kind of should they be looking for so we try to keep it really simple because we have a lot of mom and pop organizations you know we don't we know they don't come from a background where they write grants or understand fundraising but they do really good work with kids so there's an apply tab that they can click it's really self-explanatory, but we have a phone number and email, ydf at mlb.com, and there's a phone number on the website, and, you know, my team, I mean, we like to handhold people. We talk through the process, and even in that first step, it's a proposal called the letter of inquiry stage. They submit, like, a three-page proposal so we can evaluate, does this make sense? Does it fit our priorities? We don't want to waste their time, and so we interview them further inquire if it's a fit then we move them to an application stage and that's where the real homework happens mm -hmm. um, but we are we're there during the entire process assisting because we want we want to invest we want to give out money and we know how important it is to change our game um, and it's the community leaders that work so hard to deliver the programs to these kids you mentioned nashville where you were just at are there any other locations you can, you can share with us that the, the foundation is looking to, to really kind of move some initiatives forward? Uh, we have a really big one on the horizon on the Mississippi Delta, and that, that project is really near and dear to me um, in Jonestown and uh, pretty dire situations. And when the town was asked, you know, what, what is their top three wish list items? Can you believe it that a baseball field was on the top there? and we're deciding to build a baseball and softball uh, field in this community. If you look at the poverty numbers, it's 100% black. It didn't have a dental facility, a medical facility, Wi-Fi, a bank. I mean, just looking at infrastructure, how can you possibly function, right, um, and give opportunities? And so we're working with a great group that's delivering these services. But we have a host of great um, grants and projects that we have funded and that that's on our website you know we've worked with the dodgers and delivering the jackie robinson fields the roberto clemente fields in the bronx uh, we did a great project with the cal ripken senior foundation mm -hmm. um, under armor and some other fellows in reedburg park that's in cherry hills baltimore uh, great great project but um endless endless number of different opportunities out there um, that we've worked with and so it's it's exciting we need to do more though chief so if you know of any organizations you know please please reach out and anyone listening would love to hear from you as well and see how we can support and even for the you know the parents coaches education educators listening you can apply for a small grant even if you need like equipment you know we we do things like that it doesn't have to be these big six seven figure projects um because you know 
equipment kits or uniforms, something even on that level, that can go a long way in underwriting a school's budget or a small leaks budget. Gene, that's so important because I do think a lot of times when people think of you know, foundations and grants and, and kind of hear some of these bigger projects, they may get intimidated, right? They may look at the uh, website or the application process and may say, maybe and maybe our, our project isn't you know on scale big enough. But what you're telling us is that there's kind of, you know, if if there's a need and it and it fits kind of the criteria that the, the foundation puts out, they really should look into it with regardless of kind of scale or scope, right? That's right. What's the worst thing that could happen? It's a no. <laughs> right. But if it's a yes, then, you know, that's that's a great opportunity to help kids at the end of the day. And um, we're a friendly bunch. So we're not going to bite. <laughs> Pick up the phone, give us a phone call, email us. And we'd love, we'd love to just learn about what you're doing as well. All right. We're going to get you out of here on two of our final questions. They are fun questions. So you'll be, you, I think you'll be fine. But uh, I guess I got to ask, when you played on that baseball team, were you a, <laughs> were you a pitcher or position player? Do you, do you gravitate to pitching or position player? position player and um you know it's a little embarrassing but i should have been paying more attention because i would have caught that fly ball <laughs> well, here's that's exactly what happened here's the question <laughs> and, it, and it's a fun one but so we're gonna treat eugene as a position player and i ask every guest on the podcast this question if you had the opportunity to face any pitcher living or dead or you know throughout history so you're up to bat and you get to see one pitcher throughout all of baseball history, who would you like to face and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. So two <laughs> names are coming to mind. It's Satcho Page Oof. and Pat Mahomes Sr. Nice. He's a friend. Um, whew, I like that's it. A that's, a, that's a really tough Those one. Those are really but I, good answers, though. But I'm going to go with Satcho Page. You just want to – I mean, you want, you want to say, oh, that's yeah, some amazing I think stuff. if you brought Satchel, you know, up to the modern times, I mean, those records, <laughs> that that would be pretty cool for me, facing off that, Satchel. That's awesome. <laughs> and then the last question I'll ask you is, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? It doesn't have to be baseball advice, just advice in life. What, what would you uh, tell any person asking you kind of, oh, man, what was the best advice you got? It doesn't matter how much talent you have. If you're not putting in the work and you're not motivated, you're not going to succeed because talent can go only so far. And when you have someone who works hard, they can outwork talent. And, and I think that applies to any job, any person, whatever it is, you know, whether you're, you're working on a hobby like sure. golf, <laughs> um, or you're on a baseball team or, you know, you're, you're working in a job or you're in, in school um, for all the people listening and especially the young people, you have to be really focused and, and work hard and that. And, you know, you have to, um, you have to put in that sweat equity to get ahead. Gene, we're going to leave it there. This has been phenomenal. Thank you for your time, all of your leadership and what you shared with the mixtape today. It's it, it, you guys are doing phenomenal, phenomenal work, and it is an honor to have you on the program.
Thanks, Cheats. Really loved the conversation and can't wait for your son and you to come to New York City. We can't wait. We'll have to <laughs> Look, I, there's a lot of Chicago votes, so I don't exactly know how this is going to work <laughs> out. But there's a lot of Chicago votes, Gene. But hey, look, we will be in touch. Thank you. And thank you for your team for really doing some work to make this happen. So thank you so much. Thank you. Good night.